Hello and thank you for logging on to the Memory Gauge, your new favourite Digimon card game podcast. I'm your host Connor and in this week's episode we are going to be talking about building bad decks, how to know when you've done it, what to do about it and what we can learn from it. But first, every week we are giving a shout out to one listener who answered our listener question of the week. Last week's listener question was, what is your favourite card from Special Booster version 1.0 and why? And shout out to Drew Noss on Twitter who said, my favourite card would have to be Shield of the Just. It's such a great card, easy removal of blockers, especially if you're running Memory Tamers. I might need to give Shield of the Just another look just on the strength of that recommendation. Thank you very much, Drew Noss. Finally, before we begin, an announcement. To celebrate the official English release of Special Booster version 1.0, I will be doing my first live stream. That's right, I'm going to be opening a box of Special Booster version 1.0 booster packs. I'll be hopefully chatting with you guys about everything related to the Digimon card game, about the podcast, just about whatever. There's also going to be a small giveaway exclusive to viewers of the stream, so do make sure to be there or you are going to miss out. Going to be giving away a booster pack, going to be giving away uh, the promo packs, all that good stuff. So the stream is going to start on Friday the 12th of February at 7pm Eastern Standard Time. That's 7pm Eastern Standard Time on Friday the 12th of February. So find it at twitch.tv slash Connor EFMG. That's Connor with an O. Links and relevant information are going to be in the show notes. And I really hope to see you all there. And now, let's jump into our main topic. When we build decks for the Digimon card game, or for any trading card game, we're building decks to win. Whether we're building for a tournament or just for fun, we build our decks to have a certain aim or a goal, and then we want them to achieve that goal. That's what I mean by winning, achieving our goal. And more often than not, that goal is to win the game in a certain way. Sometimes we have extra goals when we're building novelty decks, but for the most part, we're trying to win the game, and we're trying to win the game in a certain way. But what happens when you build a deck, and then you find out that it isn't achieving that goal, that it isn't winning games? We all hope that our decks are going to be at least good, if not great, but it is an important skill to pick up as we grow as players and even outside of our games as well, as people, to be able to identify when something is going wrong and why it is going wrong so that we can either fix it or, in really dire situations, we can move on from the idea altogether. To put it bluntly, we need to know how to deal when we make bad decks. And for this episode, I'm going to be using the term bad decks throughout the episode for simplicity's sake, but know that when I say bad decks, what I mean is a deck that isn't accomplishing its goal or isn't accomplishing its goal consistently. Now, there is a certain kind of mind I know, I've been that kind of person who's just going to say, well, I just, I won't make bad decks. I'm really good at building decks. It's going to be easy. My deck's awesome. I just won't build a bad deck. I have two points to say to that. First of all, it will happen. Unless you retire from the Digimon card game right now, even your super sweet Tidemon control deck that crushes all your opposition is eventually going to become outdated because we'll get new cards, we'll get new strategies, we'll get probably new mechanics and new rules, and 
your Titamon, your whatever deck it might be, it just isn't going to be able to keep up as things change. So you're going to need to fix your deck up. You're going to need to put in better cards. And then you're going to need these skills. And secondly, I would say that what really makes great players great is their ability to adapt when things are going wrong. Their ability to recognize when cards or strategies aren't working and their ability to fix them. So we should all be chasing after these skills, these abilities, if we want to improve as players. I wanted to cover this topic now, as in this week, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, as a long-term but somewhat mediocre trading card game player overall, I have a lifetime's experience with building bad decks, so if there's anybody qualified to tackle this subject, it's me. Secondly, the topic is at the forefront of my mind at the moment. Listeners who follow me on Twitter will know that I participated in a webcam tournament just this past weekend, which was the Digibros local webcam tournament, and I came in dead last. I did not win a single match that whole day. That same day, I went and I had my worst performance at my local game store since they started running Digimon. It was a really rough day in terms of my record, and I had recently made a few changes to my deck, and it was pretty clear from the results that the changes obviously weren't working the way I intended. I had spent the past week tinkering with the deck, now I've been working on it, and I wanted to share what I've learned from this experience, and many experiences that I've had like it, with all of you. Now, before we can fix a deck that isn't working, before we can do anything else, We need to be able to tell when a deck is bad, and that's why I call this section How to Tell That a Deck is Bad. It is what it says on the tin. There really is only one way to tell that a deck is bad, and that is to play it. You're never really going to know that a deck isn't working unless you play it. Ideally, you're going to play it many times. You're going to play it against many different strategies, but that isn't always feasible, especially with the state of the world the way that it is right now, with things going on, with lockdowns, with restrictions, etc. Many of us, at the moment, we just can't meet to play games in person. But there are still ways that you can test your deck, even though you can't meet with people in person. If you have a webcam or a phone that you could use as a webcam, then webcam gaming is the next best thing to playing in person. I've had so much fun doing this. There are heaps of great communities out there with thriving webcam playgroups, especially if you get onto Discord. These are really great places to get some test games in, especially because people are there from all over the world. So you can maybe, where you are, it's some ridiculous time and you're like, I really want to play some Digimon. There's almost certainly going to be someone there who is from a part of the world where maybe it isn't a ridiculous time, you'll almost always be able to find an opponent on these places. The other great benefit to playing in person or via webcam, either or, by and large, is that ours is a really, really great community. And I've found that most people I've come across are happy to share their thoughts on your deck if you ask them. I know that I'm happy to give my input if I'm asked. Of course, Just because somebody tells you to stop playing a card or that you have to have four Gaia Force or Red isn't even worth considering, that doesn't mean you have to listen to them. But hopefully, when you play against a wide variety of people and you play against a lot of people, if several people are giving you that same advice or similar advice, that's when you might want to start considering it. And that's why we want to play as many games as possible. But we aren't always able to do webcam play either. That isn't always an option. Maybe you don't have a webcam. Maybe you don't have the ability to get set up for webcam play. For whatever reason, your living space just doesn't allow for it. That happens. This is where the time-honored 
age-old tradition of goldfishing comes in handy. And goldfishing, for those who don't know, is playing your deck without an opponent. Basically, as if you were playing it against a goldfish who obviously can't play against you. You set your deck up as if you were playing a game, set out your security, draw your opening hand, and then you play through a few turns. Draw a few cards. Even without the feedback of a real opponent, it can really help you to see what you're drawing, get a feel for how the deck runs, see how you feel when you're looking at that hand. Now that we know what we need to do, the actual techniques that we use to start looking out for whether our deck is working the way that it's intended, here are some things that you should be looking out for, some indicators that you can find that will tell you that your deck maybe isn't working. Now, the first thing you need to be looking out for is lack of consistency. A good deck, a functioning deck, is going to be working pretty much the same way every time. So if you find that you aren't drawing the cards you need when you need them repeatedly, far more often than just bad luck, you don't draw your level threes, or maybe you don't draw your level threes for your first few draws, or you aren't able to get up through your evolution lines, your digivolution lines, with any kind of consistency. You just aren't always able to get up through them. Or maybe you find that... You very rarely have a way to get rid of a threat on the opponent's board, or you find that your security is never helpful. It's always just really bad. This is the kind of stuff you need to look out for to make sure that your deck isn't being inconsistent. And the trick to working out if a deck is consistent, as with everything, you're going to need to play your deck a lot. You aren't going to be able to notice a lack of consistency after just one or two games. If you draw one hand and it's a brick hand you can't say my deck isn't consistent because brick hands happen to everybody you need to play it over and over and over again and if you're consistently if you're repeatedly getting brick hands that might be an indicator that your deck isn't built in a way that's going to be consistent if you play 10 games and you find that you bricked or you didn't draw what you need in over half of them that's probably a sign that your ratios aren't right or you aren't playing enough of your key option cards or whatever it might be Another thing to look out for when testing your deck is suboptimal card choice. So maybe you are getting the cards you need. You're actually seeing the cards that you had planned to see when you were hoping to see them, but they just don't do enough. A sign that I always look out for when I'm trying to improve my decks, when I'm trying to identify a card that isn't doing enough in my deck is how often do I draw this card and not play it? And you'll find that there might be some cards and you can tell that they're not cards that should be in your deck. You're going to draw it and more often than not, you don't have a good spot to play it or you just don't want to play it. You're wishing it was something else. Now, this can be hard to identify, especially if that card is a tech card that's in the deck to counter a specific strategy because tech cards aren't always useful and that's by design. They're there to counter a specific strategy. So you do need to have a certain level of awareness. And of course, you need to get plenty of testing, plenty of gold fishing done. And then finally, the third thing that you really need to be looking out for when evaluating whether you've made a bad deck is your win condition. Now, if you've listened to our episodes on deck building, and I will link these in the description, in the show notes, sorry, because I think that they're really relevant to this discussion today. Um, if you've listened to those, you know that ideally you should be building your decks with the way that they're going to win the game in the back of your mind so that you can build your deck around either getting to that win condition or protecting that win condition, that thing that is going to win you the game. And this can be a certain Digimon, like Omnimon, which is powerful enough by itself that when you play it, it needs an answer from your opponent. They need to get rid of it or do something about it or it's just going to end the game by itself. 
or it can be a certain combo, a combination of cards, or a board state, like flooding the board with level 3s and getting to attack, or playing Gallantmon after spending all game removing your opponent's cards. Now there are two things that we need to consider when we're evaluating our win condition. Firstly, how often are we actually reaching the win condition? How often do you actually draw the cards you need, or get a chance to put them into play? In an ideal world, you're going to be reaching your win condition at least once a game in the majority of your games, preferably 9 out of 10 of your games, because your win condition is the way that you win games. If you don't get it, you're probably not going to win, or you might not win. So we need to make sure we're getting that very nearly every time, or as close to every time as we can. Secondly, is it working? You might be consistently reaching your win condition, but find that you aren't actually winning even after reaching that condition. And then that is a big problem. Perhaps the card or the combo isn't as strong as you thought, or it's just being outclassed by what everybody else in the event or the group or whatever it might be is doing. To put it bluntly, your win condition needs to win you games. And now we come to a segment called, So What Are You Gonna Do About It? So now we've played a few games, we've shuffled up, we've dealt ourselves a few opening hands, and we can see what is amiss with our deck. We've identified those problems. But the big question from here, how are we going to fix it? Now for some issues, the path forward is simple. Although I will say, simple is not the same thing as easy. The 400 meter sprint, for instance, is simple. You run forward as fast as you can, but it is not easy. Now if you find that you're bricking all the time and you're not drawing your level 3s, you're probably going to need to adjust your ratios and add more. That's a pretty simple fix. Digimon currently has no mulligan rule, no rule to get rid of your first hand and get any new cards. So the 5 cards you draw at the start of the game is what you're stuck with. For almost every game plan you'll see in this game, you're going to need to add enough level 3s to all but guarantee that you're going to see one in your opening hands. You're going to need to make sure that a fifth of your deck, over a fifth of your deck, is level 3s. Because you need at least one of those five opening cards to be a level 3. If your issue is that you aren't seeing a card or a certain type of card enough, the answer is almost always add more of them. Although, there are other options you can take here. You can also play search cards, for instance. And when I say search cards, I mean those cards that let you search for a certain card or a card type. The base set Agumon, for instance, is a level 3 with an on-play effect that lets you look at the top 5 cards of your deck, and then you add a tamer from among them to your hand. So if you find that your problem is, I need to get to my tamers more often, maybe the answer isn't to play more tamers. Maybe it's to play more ways like Agumon to look for those tamers, so that you're not flooding your deck with tamers that you don't need and you're actually just consistently finding the ones that you do need and that can be important because it doesn't take away from another slot because every tamer you add is taking away from a digimon slot or an option card slot so this is another way to just consistently get to your key pieces and if you find that you're not seeing your key pieces you're not seeing your level threes you're not seeing whatever it might be often enough the answer will almost always be to add more but other problems can be harder to fix or they might not have such an obvious answer. For instance, what do you do when you get into that situation where you notice that you're just not playing a card enough? More often than not, you draw it, it sits in your hand for your multiple turns, and it just, there doesn't seem to be a place where you want to play it. There doesn't seem to be a time where you're like, I need this card, I'm grateful I have this card. Now you might need to replace that card. It might not synergize or work well with your strategy. 
Maybe it's a card that's designed to have an effect, like recovering security, or the Volcanic Dramon effect, where it destroys all your opponent's 4,000 DP or below Digimon. Maybe it deals with a problem that doesn't actually impact your deck all that much. Your deck might actually be able to deal with Rookie Rush without Volcanic Drabon because you're playing a lot of blockers. Or your games end so quickly that recovery with Magnadramon rarely helps you out. And in fact, the massive amount of memory you have to spend to do that just slows you down. Not every deck needs these tech cards and recognizing when they're going unplayed in your deck can be a sign that you don't really need the effect. Or it might be a card that's a tech card against a deck or a strategy that just isn't played in your meta. For example, no one at my local game store currently plays a Rookie Rush strategy, so Volcanic Dramon is a lot less important to have in my decks when I'm playing there, because I'm just not going to see the strategy that that card counteracts. It's just a wasted slot at that point, which could go to something that is going to have an effect. And it's this kind of introspection that is going to help you become a much better deck builder and a much better player. When you get used to thinking about these things, to reflecting on these things, and to taking that time after a game, after a tournament, whatever it might be, to sit and reflect on the cards you drew but didn't want to play, the things that you needed that you didn't see, that's what's going to really improve you as a player. Probably, though, the hardest issue of the ones that we've discussed to solve is when your win condition isn't working. Oftentimes, you've constructed your whole deck around this card or this combination, and when you realize that it just doesn't win games like you thought it would, it can make you feel like you have to trash your whole deck. That's what happened to me this past weekend. And no matter how long you've been playing trading card games, nobody, no one likes the feeling of going all the way back to square one after so much work, especially when you really enjoy the deck. But there are still things that we can do. Before you dismantle your deck, check to make sure that you can't adapt it to another win condition. Maybe your Rosemont strategy isn't as competitive as you had hoped, but with the cards you've got or with the cards available to you, you can pivot to make a Tidemon your win condition instead with a good Digivolution source chain. And you can use most of the same cards. Or maybe you can change your Piedmon Turbo deck that isn't really working so that your main Fisher finisher becomes the Purple Metal Garurumon instead because you find that Metal Garurumon has a bigger impact in your deck and then Piedmon becomes a secondary or tech card. Sometimes it just takes a refocus rather than a complete dismantling, but you need to be aware and open to those possibilities. Otherwise, they're never going to occur to you. But sometimes... You have to admit that a deck just doesn't work. You have to say to yourself, I have made a bad deck. And that is okay. I am a huge proponent of building bad decks. I love it. Build them often. Build them all the time. Build bad decks. As Jake from Adventure Time would say, being bad at something is the first step towards being sort of good at something. And you learn so much more from your mistakes than your successes. And in this instance, when you need to start from square one, I like to employ some tricks that I have learned as a writer and from my writing education. There is an old adage in the creative arts which tells us to kill our darlings, which means that you have to be never be so attached to something that you're not willing to get rid of it if it doesn't work. Obviously, this can be really difficult, especially when you love that thing that you need to dispose of. But what I've learned 
what I've found is that nothing needs to ever truly be gone. You can take that great line, that great scene, that great character, or that deck list that you love so much, and you can store it somewhere safe, write it down, store it somewhere safe, and then you'll always be able to bring it back somewhere where it will fit better. Maybe a set releases that has a new card or a couple of new cards that make your fringe strategy that you just couldn't make work before, not just viable, but actually really strong. So this way, you never have to feel that your time was wasted. And you never have to feel that you're permanently losing any hard work. And it can be tough, especially when you've spent a lot of time tinkering with a deck. But one of the things that's going to improve you as a player is knowing when to let go of a strategy that isn't working. And the most important thing, the most important thing to remember is that building a bad deck isn't the end of the world. Just like any other defeat or mistake, building a bad deck doesn't define you as a player. What defines you as a player is your willingness to get back up and try again. Now, before we end the episode today, I wanted to leave you with some final thoughts. I was really excited to make this episode. I was pumped up because I think that it's an important topic to get out there. Because yes, I make bad decks. I make bad play mistakes sometimes, as do we all. And it is okay. We can put a lot of pressure on ourselves, especially those of us who choose to create content. But this does apply to everybody. Everyone can do this. We put pressure on ourselves to be good at our hobbies. I know that when I started this podcast, I suddenly felt this huge pressure to be good at the game, even though back then I had about three listeners and they were all family and friends, but I felt like I had to be good because I was doing this podcast, because I was taking up this game and putting the money and energy into it. I needed to be good, otherwise it wasn't worth it. But that's not what a hobby is about. That's not what playing these games is about. That could be something that you strive for, certainly, but not being good at it straight away, maybe not being good at it for a long time. Maybe never being peak doesn't mean that it wasn't worth your time. And the main thing to take away is that no one ever got good at anything by only doing it well. It's really important that we don't just acknowledge our failures, we celebrate them. Now my improvisation theatre instructor in university told us that he had very strict expectations for how we would respond when we messed up a scene or we flubbed a punchline. He expected us to throw our hands in the air grin as widely as we could, and yell, Yay! I suck! And that's the energy that I wanted to bring today, and the message I hope you all come away with today. Go out, make bad decks, realize that they're bad, throw your hands in the air, say, Yay! I suck! And then use that to be better, to evolve your game. Every week, I ask you listeners a listener question, and this week's listener question is, What is your favorite piece of art? From the Digimon card game so far. That special booster version 1.0. Mine would be the starter deck Agumon. I love the action pose. I really love the colors. And every time I see that card, every time I draw it, every time I play it, it just really pops. So what is your favorite piece of art from the Digimon card game? Tweet your answer using the hashtag, hashtag MemoryGagePodcast. Or comment on the listener question post in our Facebook group, Memory Gauge Podcast, and you might receive a shout out at the top of next week's episode. Don't forget to tune in to our 1.0 release live stream at twitch.tv slash Connor EFMG on Friday, February 12th, 7pm Eastern Standard Time. All the relevant links are going to be in the show notes, so check them out. If you have any questions, feedback, comments, or concerns, tweet at me at 
Connor, E-F-M-G, or email me at memorygagepodcast at gmail.com or join our Facebook group. I am always happy to hear from you listeners. New episodes come out each and every week, so be sure to follow the Memory Gauge podcast on your podcast service of choice to stay up to date and never miss an episode. This is the Memory Gauge. Thank you so much for listening. We are logging out. We'll be right back. 